podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Boot Room Show on the Ken 7 Podcast. Just a reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, pause the video now, click the subscribe button and the bell for notifications, and also give the video a like, and don't forget to write some comments if you've got any questions. Joining me today are the sons of three Anfield legends, Paul Dalgleish, Paul Moran, and Stephen Evans. Welcome, boys. Today we're going to have a chat about a recent draw with West Brom and the review of the season so far and a quick preview of the Newcastle game. Steve, I'll come to you first. The lineup for West Brom was pretty strong. Did you have any misgivings going into the game? Um, after I, I'm one of them people when I, when I know there's going to be a, a team who's going to come see the, the need for for um. For, for someone like Jimmy and Henderson who's going to sit in deep, you know, I, I would like to see maybe Oxley Chamberlain come in there or, or, or maybe even a Minamino who come and have a little, who's got a bit of gal on the box. But I wasn't surprised the team. I thought, I thought it looked pretty much picked itself, but um, I, I, you know, I thought it could have been maybe changed a bit earlier, second half, and it wasn't going so well. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was the strongest, it's the strongest team on paper. So I wasn't surprised that he went with that one at the start, really. You've got Curtis Jones there though as well, and he can break the lines and move forward. So it was he, he'd had a little go, but you, you fancied a bit more, did you? Yeah, I just think there's I mean, just it, it, the three lads in the field just seem to take it in turn to sit deep and get the ball off the centre half and just kind of pass it sideways. Really, it was one of them where no one seemed to want to take a chance. Curtis likes to go forward the ball, but I didn't really see much. I thought first half we did okay with it. Uh, we we're a bit more adventurous, but second half we looked all out of ideas. So. Um, I probably would have liked to have seen a change a bit quicker second half, but um, I wasn't surprised he went with the team that he did went, you know, that he picked to start with. I said it's his strongest eleven. It's uh, it's one he probably thought could have got the job done. Paul, um, Steve said there that we started the game well, and Sadio scored a great goal. Obviously, was there anything in the first half that you felt we could have done better other than score? Well, no. I mean, that's the obvious thing is only getting the one goal. Uh, one of them other chances goes in and it just it changes the whole game. Uh, they're obviously happy at 1-0 because they never changed the 5-5 formation they were in. Uh, second half, they started coming forward a bit more, but certainly not putting us under a great deal of pressure. I think the second goal, not getting a second goal is what caused all the problems. You know, and everyone talking about the team, that team should be beating West Brom. Because if you look at any team we come up against, if you put player for player, we got to say City a little bit, but we should beat 18 out of the 19 teams there most times you play them. And they just have that on Sunday where chances were going begging, there was misses. And in the end, it bit us, uh, come back to bite us because we never got the second goal. They obviously got the equaliser. And we frankly, I don't think we look like scoring in the second half, to be honest. No, I think we would sit back on it. I'd agree with that. Um, Paul D., uh, everyone's talking about it as a big Sam masterclass, which particularly annoys me. Um, from a tactical point of view, what 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 did you think about the performance and how he set them up? Oh, big Sam had trouble with his mask. He couldn't fit it over his nose and his his mouth. That was the masterclass that I I was looking at. Couldn't fit. <laughs> no, for me, look, I I got a lot of respect for every type of football that's played. You know, if if someone comes to Anfield. It's almost a form of respect, right? I remember when people used to come to Anfield and show us no respect. There have been, you know, over recent years. And that's a sign of respect. I, I saw, I know Paul said it was a 5-5, five, five, but I think it was almost a 6-4 at times, where it was like a line of six and then four in front. 
And I've never seen that. I've seen Mourinho come and I've seen teams come and they've gone with, a, you know, attacked in a 4-3-3 but defended in a 6-3-1 where they've had like the wing-backs have tracked our full-backs and then they've got a line of six and a three. But they still had an outlet with the one. So I, I don't really remember seeing that setup. Um, and I was thinking, oh, this could be, this could go either way. And then when we scored after 10 minutes, I just started laughing. I was like, and I shouted down to my wife who knows nothing about football. I said, they've set up in the most defensive formation ever and we scored after 10 minutes. And I thought it was game over. I thought, I genuinely did after we scored after 10 minutes, I thought game over. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I think you, you've got to look at these results with a little bit of context. We're devastated when we drew a game, when a team's come and parked the bus, you know, against us. And I think that we've got to have a little bit of context. This is arguably, and, and we've been lucky enough to watch some great Liverpool teams, but this is arguably as good as anything we've ever seen. Um, and for them to, for the, the level of expectation that we have for the players now is so high that a 1-1 draw at home to West Brom is like a real cause for, for disappointment. And, and it should be because of the level of expectation the team sent. But for me, it was, you know, you've got to look how many games we've played, short period of time, the injuries. We're going to be a yard off in certain games. And I think, you know, we just need to, football's about taking chances. And to be honest, we're in the first half, we should have put the game to bed. Steve, part of Big Sam's plan there is they get a foothold in the game. Um, they keep us out, they frustrate us, they, they force us into having a lack of ideas, I think. Do you think um, Do you think that's the type of football you'd like to watch every week? Of course not, but that, that's what Sam Advice does, or, or these teams do. It's about survival for them, it's not about playing entertainment football. He's not gone there to, to stop, make them win trophies, he's gone there to try and keep them up and... Um, you know what he's about. I mean, it's not rocket science what he does. He, he gets them a bit fitter. He sits them in deep. He, he frustrates teams and he'll try and snatch one on the break. Um, I thought we made that a bit easy for him. Second half, by the way, we played. I thought we we, we come out second half thinking they were going to sit in as they did, but they came out on a bit of a go second half, to be fair, West Brom. And we gifted them a couple of corners, which is, you know, absolutely not what to do against teams mm. like that because they will see that as that their biggest threat. And then in the end, that was our undoing with the equaliser as well. It was, it was a complete gift of a corner and yet they had the one before that as well I think of Andy Robertson um, you know it's never pretty football it, it, but this is why Sam Aldrich has come in and got so many jobs in the past because you know we get teams organised as I said he, he gets them defensive gets them hard to beat and he, he next points here and there and this is why people go to him to, um, to try and save the, save, save the club from relegation but I watch it every week but I no chance it's a game of patience right with him he kind of plays the waiting game where he just waits and waits and waits just for an opportunity and, and hopes that's enough to get something out of the game. But do you know, do you know when, when a lot of teams used to do this in Liverpool, you know, but when we were just first years under Jurgen Klopp, teams would come and sit in. And it was, it was always, it was almost when we had Coutinho, you know, it was when having that ability to score from 20, 25 yards with a long range to break down the deep block, you know, or even you're looking at it going, would it be beneficial to have like a, a John Toshak in, in the middle of the box so that when you're putting that many crosses in in the first half, just as an option when a team sits in, you've got a little bit more threat to, to attack it. Um, but it's, you know, it's the first time really that I can remember at Anfield where a, a team sat in, obviously, especially this year, that we've not found a solution with the players that we've got. So I think we've got to look at the, the, big, the big picture and go, OK, there's a lot of teams coming and sat in 
defended deep, compacted the space in behind, defended crosses. But we've always managed to score. This was the first time, really, where we've we've not managed to do that. So, you know, I've got a I'm a big believer that if it's not broke, don't try and fix it. And and you know, they are the options, aren't they? Really, other than what we've got, the options are either have someone who can score from distance or have a bit more presence in the box when the crosses come in. Well, I mean, with the substitutions, Paul M, um, he, he obviously brings Oxlade-Chamberlain on, doesn't he? And uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain can blam one in from outside the box. Do you think the substitutions could have been earlier? Well, you look at it this way. When he brought the subs on, was it 1-0 when he brought them on or they equalised by then? I, think I can't it was remember when they come on. I think equalised, yeah. Should he equalised, Well, it's one of them things. I always remember, you know, I was talking like about dads and that. My dad used to say, as Paul's just said, if it's not broken, don't fix it. You one up. You start bringing subs on and it all goes wrong from that point. Everyone says, well, you should have brought the subs on. Earlier type of thing, once West Brom scored. Now, I probably brought Oxley Chamberlain on. Paul's saying about someone scoring a worldie from 25 yards, which he has done for us. It, it, all this, it's all the talk comes after the game and after the 1-1. The goal, yeah. You know, they're doing it during the game. He, he's not bringing Oxlade-Chamberlain on. He's just sitting, sitting, sitting next to him on the bench saying, Look, I'm going to wait till they equalise before I bring it on. So we're 1-0 up. And the chances are there for 2-0. You know, we're not desperately defending against West Brom. So we go 2-0 up and then ends up being 3-0, 3-1. Everyone says, oh, well, I'm glad he didn't bring any subs on. Mm. But then because it goes wrong at the end in that one-off thing, everyone thinks, well, you should have done this. It, it's all based on the result rather than what's actually happening in that 90 minutes. The only thing I thought we did on Sunday particularly wrong was we were playing too slow mm. for how they were. We were, as you know, putting balls in the box early. We weren't doing nothing. There was lots of passing in midfield. It was 83% possession, which, you know, it's all the statistics come out now, but we had 83% possession in the game. But most of that was 20 yards inside their half. It's not dangerous possession, if you like, if that's the Best of phrase. I just think we play too slow sometimes. It's like you watch us the last few years. I've always been happy when the other, not when they're attacking, but when the other teams in our half. I always think we were better then, up to a point, because we just get it and we're away. And when teams do what they did, you've got nowhere to go. You're just running into people. So, yeah. as you say, you might have to think of a new way of playing against teams like that if someone else does it. But not many teams do it. Not many teams play that defensive. West Brom are very good at slowing it down. Someone like Sam Allardyce knows that we're, we're all about tempo. Yeah, that's it. The speed of the game, trying to keep us moving about. That's one of the things he will say. I'll go, listen, any chance you get, stand on it, slow it down. The keeper was taking yeah. ages. Any throw was taking ages. Um, we, yeah. just, we just couldn't get any rhythm going, going at all, really. I mean, it's, it's a weird thing to say because we, we, we have moments about playing too many games in too many in a short space of time. But I think... Having eight days off didn't do us any good either because I think I think Jürgen would have liked a bit of more rhythm in his legs. Like right. he just like rhythm in legs of, of players, mm-hmm. and eight days off was probably a little bit too long for him, if anything, really. And that's that mm-hmm. kind of showed again. We looked, we looked a little bit stale and a little bit uh, all else ideas far too early for me, I think. Do you think the uh, to your point though, it was it was a definite tactic to slow the game down. I mean, I remember the first mm-hmm. rowing that came cop end. Uh, and they got it took ages, yeah. you know. And 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 I think that Liverpool like that rhythm, don't they? They like that rhythm, and they like the they like to play. They like to dictate the tempo of the game. But my my biggest concern is I've I've not seen that in Anfield a six and a four. But it was if if teams kind of look at that and go, okay, maybe we'll try that 
fucking the games are going to be boring to watch because that was it was like watching paint dry, wasn't it? I, I tuned out halfway through the first half when it was just just it just boring, wasn't it? It was just they just absolutely ruined the spectacle. Yeah. But they're not but no fans there, so they're not bothered. I know there was two thousand there, but they got no one on the back. They'd have fifty four thousand on the back playing like that normally. Mm-hmm. And it was the best will in the world. I was at the Tottenham game the other week. You're not making that much noise, no matter what it sounds like while you're actually in it. sounds loud while you're in it, but they can play. I mean, they can play like that at home now. They couldn't play like that at home in a normal season with crowds because I don't think their home crowd would let them do that. But mm-hmm. now there's no crowd there, so they'll just let them play like that. There's no one to stop them. You you were there, Steve, weren't you? You were at the game. So yeah. the, the, it seemed on the TV, obviously I'm, I'm over the other side of the pond, it seemed like there was a real kind of frustration creeping in uh, during a game. Did you feel that? It just seemed like it was just, I don't know. And it, it seemed to, like, if you, the last few minutes, I've never seen, like, that nervy defence. There was, like, mistakes that we've never normally made. It was bizarre. It, it was just like a normal normal sort of game. You could, you could almost see what was coming, really, and that the fans in the cop, I mean, obviously, obviously there's only, what, 1,500 in the cop, but the fans could almost see... Us becoming a bit stale, you could see them getting into the game more. Uh, us making mistakes, giving corners where we shouldn't do it, and you know the, the frustration was there. You know, if you're only winning by one goal. You, you, results have gone your way. You know, that weekend for the other teams dropping points as well. Everyone's desperate to kind of take a stranglehold on the on the league title race, and so people get frustrated. There was, I mean, it was the cop was getting a bit nervous towards the end because you know we all know what 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 a Sam Allardyce team does. What other teams come and do sit in and play that defensive style, they just frustrate you, and it's frustrating to watch because you know once they get a chance to didn't take it, then it's going to be hard to break them down again because they've got they got ten, you know, eleven men behind the ball, basically camped at the edge of the box, and it's it's really really tough. Leaving the uh, the West Brom game for now, um, uh, let's just have a little chat about how we feel we've done this season. So, what? Just coming to you, Paul M. Um, how do you think it's gone so far? Well, if you look at the league table, it's gone all right. <laughs> Love it. He's not by three points. You know that's. If the, I must admit, I'm the much more relaxed watching the games this season than I have been for a long time. It's probably because we won the league last year. So you just think now, all right, we're top of the league now. But last season was such a one-off season, especially with everything that happened, including, you know, mm. stopping in March and playing behind closed doors and winning it with no one there. It's just that I think this season, it, you wouldn't say it's not anti-climax isn't the right way, but we're never going to do what we did last season. And I think some of the fans think, you know, we're going to win another 34 games or whatever it was on the trot, but the, the run we had at the start and then when we do draw against someone, like against the the Fulham game, for instance, when we were awful in the first half, we were decent in the second half. They, they just sort of like, what, why aren't we doing what we did last season? Just, that was last season was just a one off, mm-hmm. and it was a one off that we'd been waiting for for a long time. To be fair, uh, but I was glad it did. I, I've got no problems with this season. I was just sitting on Sunday watching the match with a few beers, and at the end, I was surprised with. I mean, I look on Twitter and Facebook and that, and some of the things that are getting said. Thinking, you know. You're not watching the same thing. I'm watching. It wasn't a good performance, but it's not. We need to do this. We need to sign this one. We need to do this. Get rid of him. He needs to go. It's just a game. Get on with it. Like, I don't say it's just a game. I don't mean that in the way women say it to you when you've just let a goal in in the last minute and they go, oh, it's just a game. It isn't like. But it's a one game out of 38. And you said there, how's the season going? Well, 
Someone said to you at the start, you'd be top of Christmas by three points. You said, well, I'd be by you know, 14 or 17. I was more nervous last season when we were 18 points clear <laughs> than I am now, to be honest. It was just because of that long time for waiting. Yeah. Now, we've done it last season now, so we just see how we go this season. Just sit back and enjoy it. Whether, that, whether it's because I'm 58 now or I've mellowed a bit, I don't know, because we used to sit by... <laughs> You're younger than game. that, Paul. Younger what? than that. No, no. <laughs> no, see, I used to sit by stay at the matches and he'll know that I used to get involved in the games type of thing a little bit. Yeah, yeah. My mum my still blames me for swearing so much. He blames all on you. He said, Paul, when I'm not, you should go to the games. It's all his fault. We were doing quite well at that period as well, so I don't, I'm not quite sure I was swearing at all the time. It's just been, yeah, just been a natural reaction. Yeah, you're always pretty vocal, Paul. I'll give you that example. A little bit. Mellow I think now, people forget, right don't now. they? I think people forget that there was, there was bad performances when we won everything as well. We didn't play well every game. In fact, there was probably more bad performances back then than what there is now. But I think now we... You know, with the social media brigade, it, it always everyone's always looking for perfection. And that's why, you know, it's not, it's never going to be perfect. I mean, last the last two years have been about as perfect as they can be, yeah. really, you know, yeah, in terms of the exactly points on the board. But it's, if you expect perfection, you're going to be disappointed. The, the sign of a great team for me is ones that don't need to play well all the time to get points. And I think that that's what we've had in the last two years. We've always found a way. And the other sign for me is what we've shown under Jürgen is, an ability to respond to setbacks. You know, we lose, we, we have an unbelievable season two years ago, you know, lose to a point to Man City, the league, come back the next season and win it. We lose in the final to Real Madrid, come back the next year and win the Champions League. Mm. This team doesn't let anything phase it. And I think it's, you know, that was, that was for me, what Liverpool was built on. You know, the values that we were brought up on was, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but, as long as you're better than anybody else, you win the league at the end of the season. Yeah, that's true. I think um, I think this season's skewed. Well, the last two seasons have been skewed by how good Man City have gone, and I think as fans, we've felt that we've had to be perfect. I don't think this season's like that. This season very much feels like a, a normal season where people can lose. Do you, do you agree with me, Avo? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we were talking about this. It was a, obviously. Um, but... Back in the day, look at something like if you ever watch Premier League years on Sky Sports or stuff like that, you see title races where like Man United come from, from 12 points behind with, with 15 games to go and they're, they're winning the league by nine points or six points. And just that was what I, how it was done. But, you know, the last three seasons have been a complete anom- anomaly. You know, the, the, the level of football being played by Manchester City and Liverpool is just like nothing that's ever been seen before in, in the league. And to keep that intensity up, um, for, for more than two seasons I think it's difficult I think you sort of drop off I think Man City did when they were back to back and obviously we became second by a point um, and then you see the drop off in their intensity that the, the season we won it last year um, it, it's so difficult to play football at that level and constantly mm. win 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 it just doesn't happen so uh, once we'd won it and we got there over the line I think this season you're always going to see a bit of a drop off in intensity which we, we have done um, I think the lack of fans in grounds has helped certain teams. Uh, I, I don't think it helps us at all. But you see no. the likes of Villa, I think, uh, Everton, um, you know, these teams who have no pressure from fans. On, you know, the, the fans like Villa, Villa fans, Everton fans, they demand good football, they demand results and having empty stadiums. has let them express themselves a little bit and have no fear. And I think it's why you've seen some mad results like the Villa one, which we were obviously being a crap that day anyway. But you've seen some teams up there challenging who... They wouldn't norm- normally be challenging because they, they, there's obviously different. They, they feel like there's different pressures when they play when there's fans in the ground. 
Um, as I said, I, I'm, I'm made up where we are at the moment. It feels like we could have been a little bit better. The frustrating results have, have been and gone with the, the Brighton one, the Fulham, the, the Derby, which which was obviously as frustrating as it gets. But you feel if, if you could have got another, another you know, couple of wins out of them four, including the one against West Brom, then you know, just think the position, the, the, the league would be sort of getting getting away from everyone else already. So, you know, we're in a fantastic position. Three points clear, you know, but that's, uh, you know, getting players back fit as well. You know, I made up with it. I think it was doing great. Paul, um, we've we've dealt with like a unbelievable um, injury list. The, the, I mean, if you listed the injuries and the players that have actually we've lost is is quite incredible. The fact that we're still top of the league is 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 unbelievable. Do you do you think that we need to maybe dip into the the transfer market coming up, or would you be happy to go with well the obvious ones? Centre back, would you be happy to go with Reese Williams? I think the question actually is, what do you think he'll do, and what would you do? Two different things, obviously. Well, you, you know, you talk about your centre half. Obviously, Massive did something again on Sunday. So I don't know. Has anyone said how long he's out for? Has there been any time put on his three, injury? Three or four, three or three or four months with us. A dog. Yeah, well, it, no disrespect to. I mean, Fabinho's been brilliant playing centre half. And someone's having a go at him for not winning headers. So he's doing everything else. And he's challenging for the headers, whether he's winning or not. He's letting people head the ball. I mean, he got he might well have got fouled on Sunday, but that's a, another discussion. Uh, I don't think... I, I I thought that Phillips lad looked good when he's played. And that Phillips, I think he's... he's but is he, is he on the leagues? Can he play in the league? Is he, he in the league in the squad? Yeah. Not in the Champions League, but he can play in the league. Well, I mean, he, you would think I thought he did slightly better... Then the other lad out of the two of them, I thought Phillips did better uh, out the two. Uh, then, but the lad on Saturday, Sunday, uh, he needs someone with him. He needs like Matip with him, I think, guiding him through. We're not going to go Fabinho, but he needs a bigger centre-half with him. But do you look all right? I wouldn't sign anyone in January. I'd leave it as it is. Do you agree with that, Paul? I think we will sign. I think we'll sign a centre-back. I think it's. I think we'll definitely bring one in. Uh would I do it? I look at it, I go, I think, you no, know, Phillips has got good potential. He's grown into his body. I think still, you know, he still looks like he's got to, he's got to fill out. And I think, as Paul said, he's much better when he's got an experienced centre-back next to him to talk him through the game. Much like Cara did with John Flanagan when he he came in, you know, talking them through the game. Uh, it's a huge, it's a huge benefit. Um, Phillips, yeah, I think he's done fine. He, he looks like, he doesn't look like a Liverpool player though, does he? When he's playing, he, he does all right, but he just doesn't look like what you expect a Liverpool centre-back to look like. He looks like he fit into a, a Sam Allardyce team or something like that. And that's no disrespect. It's just player profile. So I, I think that I think that we'll probably bring in a centre-back that allows us to, to continue to play a high line, press high mm. and defend the big spaces in behind because I, I just don't, I think, when I when I made the decision that I would sign one was when I think it was in the second half. Phillips chased someone over the top. He never scored though. It was a ball over the top, and I think Allison yeah, saved it. He saved and it, he, didn't he? He looked a little bit static, to be honest, when he was when he was trying to chase someone in behind. So I think we will just for the way we want to play. I think we have to adapt a little bit if we don't have a centre back that can defend big spaces. Well, the big question there is who, who would you bring in? Who, who do you think could play that role? Well, I think, well, then, I think we, we look at. Sorry, if you look, if you look at the fellow from I actually play that pit, pit shows the centre half. I like the look of him. He looked, he looked a big tall blonde lad. He looked really quick, aggressive on the front foot. They play a high line as well. He, he was, 
someone I looked at and went, I like him. So I kept man, Sadio Mane quite quiet that game for me, and I liked him a lot. They're the probably, the probably banging red against a brick wall, but they've, they've drawn Red Bull in the Champions League because they like the two centre. I reckon they like the, the noises are, they like the two centre halves for them, Upper Meccano and Canata. I think they both both been watched, I think, or both like both of them. They're really, really good players in, in, in their own right, both of them. Absolute monsters. They are huge fellas. Um, and whoever they bring in has got to be quick and has got to be elite in the air. That, that, they're the main two two things for me. And there's not loads knocking about, I think, especially the Red ones are gone now because we're playing in the Champions League, so there's no chance we're getting them. Um, so they're all for me, as if, as if they fancy this kid from Ajax, which I think is, is a decent player from what I've seen so far. But it's, you know, it, it's, it's Michael Edwards will have a rest of the early. Yeah, think as well, you know, you, you've got to look at it as well. I'm, I'm a player. And obviously, everybody, it's, it's, a, it's the benefit. And it, it's also a, it also hurts Liverpool how good we are at the moment and how good Van Dijk is and Gomez. And, because the centre-back's looking at it and going, OK, I signed for Liverpool. But what happens when everyone's fit? You know, do a, so it, what, it, what it does is it, it limits your amount of... It limits your amount of players that you can look at because there's some of the... Maybe the up-and-coming players that you might look at. Liverpool like to sign younger players. They might look at it and go, well, they need to play. So I'll play now, but what happens when Gomez is fit? Like, who's ahead of who? And also, just the last bit is, there's no point spending money unless who we can find is better than what we've got. So they've got to look and go, okay, what can we bring in that is better than than Phillips, you know, and and, uh, the young kid as well? And if we can, then great. But if we can't, then, you know, I still think we've got good enough players to win the league. I really do. But I do think that if we got a centre-back in, the right profile, it would make that a little bit easier. Paul, just to come back to you on that, I mean, you've been a player yourself, you know what players are like ego-wise. If I'm a player and I rate myself, I'm I'm looking at our team going, I can take Gomez's place when he comes back. But, the, but then someone at that level, Gav, is going to cost a lot of money. We talk about Konati and, and, and Koulibaly's and you know, Upa Meccano's. You're talking 80, 90 million. Liverpool aren't going to spend that. Hmm. You know, they're not going to spend that. That's Van Dyke money, you know, mm. for them. And Liverpool aren't going to spend that. You know, they're going to look for a deal like a Minamino, you know, or a Jota, you know, someone who they can pick up, someone who's not a true world-class player now, but somebody who might be a little bit undervalued in a certain market. So they'll be looking in places like France, as Steve said, Holland, places where the players are a little bit cheaper than buying them in, in other countries. The, the the name that keeps coming up is Kabak. Um, Steve, I don't know whether you know much about him. Uh, not loads, no. Um, I, I know he's been touted about. I've seen him mentioned a few times on Twitter, and I think um, I've read a few read a couple of articles on him. Um, seems to be half decent, but again, I'm not, not convinced by. If you look at the stats, as I said before, I think we're only getting someone in who's going to be elite in the air, and I'm not too sure he is. I'm not too sure about how tall he is if he's. If he's yeah. If he's going to go with Fabinho for the rest of the season, I think Fabinho only works in centre half. You've got someone who's who's six three, six four next to him who's going to be winning all the, the headers because as good as Fabinho is, he's not the tallest and he doesn't win that many headers as a centre half. So um, whoever they bring in is going to be, as I said, that's going to be elite level in the year. Uh, I'm not too sure Kabak is. I don't know loads about him. Right. I'm not going to say I've watched too much about him, but um, I think if you know the noise seems to be that there is interest there, so. Um, you know, if he does come in, he's gonna have to be a monster. Just before, by the way, I saw Carras tackle on Soccer AM <laughs> against Jimmy Bullard. Maybe Carras is looking to make a little bit of a comeback. You see that? 
He only clipped that, him, though, didn't he? He didn't get him far. He just clipped him a little bit. Like, brilliant. It was funny, that though. Just before we move on to uh, just having a quick chat about the Newcastle game, do we do we all think we're going to win the league? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, back us to the hills, yeah, of course we do. I, you know, as long as we're getting we're getting players back from injury now, I think Thiago finally, you know, finally getting getting back fit. I think we might see him on the bench on Newcastle on Saturday. Um, sorry, the next couple of days on Wednesday. Getting, I mean, he would have been ideal for someone like West Brom. Mm. We played them on Sunday, would have been perfect. Um, you know, it's all about. It's going to be survival of the fittest now, I think, as long as we don't get no major injuries to the front three. I think um, getting Jota back would help as well. Um, as I said, it all depends what we do. If we can get someone in, in January to help us at the back as well, then uh, I think we should you know, put a, a run of games together. Um, and I don't think you'll concentrate much on the DFA Cup. We're looking at the Champions League and the league. And um, yeah, I'm fully confident we can do it again. Paul M. Definitely. I'd say more. I say more relaxed than possibly more. I wouldn't say more confident because you're 18 points clear at certain points last year and 25 points clear. But I think we're the best team there, and the best team usually wins it. So, but I was looking at those. Say through when you're watching a game, you say watching Liverpool and not looking at it as Liverpool, as like a neutral fan. And nine times out of ten, when you're watching us, you say, "Well, that team in the red are going to win that game." Even you're watching the first 20 minutes. We we think we've got. The best players, I think, you know, all right, you know, City had argued that. But I think we got the best players and there's no reason why we shouldn't win the league. So, so yeah, we should win it. See? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think Steve mentioned Thiago then. Thiago is a true world-class player that we've got coming back into the team. And if you look at the Matic pass for Mane's goal, imagine it was Thiago playing those passes on a regular basis in that game. You know, as Steve said, it would be ideal to break down a deep block. He's he's a fucking genius with the ball. He's unbelievable. Um, so when you start thinking about who's coming in, we will sign a centre-back. I've got no doubt of that in, in January. We'll find one. We've got probably one of the best recruitment teams and, you know, scouting teams in, in the world. So they'll they'll find some of every every faith in them. And then when you look at the guys we've got coming back, Jota to add, you know, competition up there, Thiago. Yeah, absolutely. How long has he been out for now, Jota? Month is it a month? So he's got another month to go, has he? Uh, yeah, it's between six and eight weeks. One, I think so. Yeah, about. Do you know the other thing, Gav? Do you know the other thing that, that I'll say is nobody really got that excited when we were bringing in Jota, mm. right? Or some of the other players that we we've brought in. It was like everyone wanted Werner, and then Jota comes in and does it. What what you can't underestimate is the culture that's set at Liverpool under the manager makes players be better. You know, and when, when players come into Liverpool's environment, they get better just by being part of that culture on a daily basis. So even if someone doesn't look like a world beater, you can guarantee they're going to improve when they come to Liverpool. Every transfer that we've brought in in recent times has improved at Liverpool. And that's all because of the culture that's set the club by the manager. Steve, so looking ahead at Newcastle, um, how would you line up with the players that we think are available? Um, I don't think it go too many changes. I, I think this could be the one where Gini Wijnaldum gets a rest. I think he's played a ridiculous amount of minutes this, this season. And this could be ideal for someone like uh, Oxley chamber to come in and just give us a bit more, just something a bit different going forward. We can get between the lines a little bit more. Um, at the back, I think he probably, whether he sticks with Reese Williams or goes Nath Phillips alongside Sabino, um, that's probably going to be the, the biggest decision of the day for the manager. Um, apart from that, I, I don't see too many other changes really. I think, 
Salah and Mane had a, a poorish game on, on, on a Sunday, which usually means they follow up with, with a very good game the week after. So I'll be uh, most Salah especially. I think he, he's um, I think he was he was quiet on on, on Sunday, and I think I've got a feeling that he's he's gonna he's gonna tear it up against Newcastle. So uh, I don't see there being too many changes. Maybe I said just centre half, and I think McKenzie Jones might um, keep his place or Ox coming in somehow. But I need we need someone who's gonna give us a bit more going forward. You, you know, because when Ox came on on Sunday, the first thing he did when he got the ball was turn and run towards towards the opposition goal, which we lacked for the whole game. It was just too many sideways passes. So just something a bit different for me. But um, I can't see there being too many changes, I don't think, because I think it'll, it'll want to react. And Newcastle aren't exactly firing at all cylinders at the moment. They've got a lot of injuries themselves. Um, results haven't been great. Uh, they've been leaking a lot of goals. So I think um, our front three will be licking the lips. Paul, um, Steve uh, mentioned Curtis Jones there. He's, uh, he's had a bit of a hammering from the commandos on Twitter, um, I see. Um, what's your view on that? Because I, I absolutely hate it. But what, what, what do you? How do you see that? Hey. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's it's one of them things. I presume the players don't look at Twitter up to a point. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to think they didn't. Uh, people having a go at the lad. Uh, you would say it, it's an easy thing to say because you say, well, possibly I don't either. But you don't know nothing about the game if you have because of that one mistake he did for the. The ball and ends up getting headed out. Christ, what other things he's done during the game? Mm-hmm. It's uh, people, as you say, it's, a, it's the, the Twitter things a waste of time. To be honest with you, it's a, it's just like a balance. Some of the things people put on it about every team. As you look mm-hmm. through every team, so they, they haven't fancy when they got beat by United last week. They were all having a go at everyone. Then they won on Sun. That was a Saturday Sunday he played. Then everything's perfect again in the world. That's what Twitter's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad. There was no Twitter and that when my dad was knocking around the football team, to be honest. Yeah, I'll be able to say it's every week, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be yeah. good. Like, I'm only allowed to be on Twitter because I've got my own name on my Twitter handle, so I'm not allowed to have a separate one. So if I say anything, so that's Ronnie Moran's son, he shouldn't be saying that. So I'm only allowed to have one because I've got my name on it. <laughs> Because you, you can get embroiled there. I just uh, don't uh, don't bother with it now. But people having a go at him, they, they, they don't know nothing about professional football at all, or really, they don't know how to deal with other people at all either. And I think that's one of the problems now. And the main thing about it is it's not face to face. You know, you can call someone, yeah. you can call someone twenty thousand miles away, a dickhead, and you know nothing's going to happen. Exactly. You know, Ken Jones been outstanding this season, by the way. Yeah. He really come on. Yeah. He's now classes for me as a first team player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's took his opportunities when he has has done, and I've seen him boss games on, and run the midfield on his own. So anyone give him any stick is just brain dead, in my opinion. And as Paul said, it's just these uh, these lads on the internet sitting there who would absolutely shit themselves if he saw them in real life. So yeah, it's, uh, it's not to worry about for me. No, absolutely. I mean, we were only talking last week, Gav, about how big a future he's got how well he's played, how he's not a squad player anymore, how he's cemented himself as a first-team player. And actually, in the first half, I actually text a mate of mine saying, Curtis Jones is going to be top draw. Because mm. I thought in the first half, I thought he was I thought he was the one that wanted the ball. Now, did he create enough? No, but he, he was the one that wanted the ball. And I think that, I thought, as Steve said earlier about Oxlade-Chamberlain, the one thing he possesses is he gets teams out of shape because... Mm. When, when there's two things, you can move the ball and you can move the opposition. So when you've got someone like uh, Ox between the lines, when he runs at someone, the defender has to make a decision. They have to either come and get pressure on the ball, right, or they need to stay in position. So if they come towards the ball, now all of a sudden you create space behind them and you can play around them. 
And it, if you if you've got someone who can play one v one, then it'd be cut, it be you make it a one v one game mm. in certain areas of the pitch. And Oxley Chamberlain is brilliant at that. And I think Curtis Jones has that ability as well. He's mm. brilliant one v one for a central midfield player. So I think that if you had the two of them, you know, so it wasn't just one that could do it against the the lesser teams that sit in a deep block, yeah. then it gives you a different way to break down a, a deep block and, and move the opposition out of position. Mm. Newcastle is obviously one of your uh, old clubs. Um, is there any players that we need to look out for at, at Newcastle? Aspria, Tino Aspria. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Tino Aspria. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, uh, listen. I, I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit biased, but um, you know, I don't even know. I don't really know too much about the state of uh, of Newcastle's roster at this moment in time. But the guy Almiron is somebody who can hit you in transition with his pace, breaking from midfield. He obviously played over here. I saw a lot of what he could do, and obviously he was in the top team in in America, so he had the ball much more often. Whereas at Newcastle, he's defending a little bit more. But he's got true pace to be able to break lines. Um, and, you know, I think that they're going to, Steve Bruce is going to set them up. You know, he, he realises they're the weaker team. Um, he's going to set them up to defend and try and hit in transition. You know, and they've got a couple of forwards that can that can do that in transition. So it's going to be, you know, will it be a, a six and a four? I don't think Steve Bruce will go that defensive at home. But I think it's probably going to be a five, four, one. I would imagine, which is what they played a lot last year, just to try and frustrate Liverpool. Mm. Just before um, we change, score predictions, Paul. Um, 2 0 for us. Evo. 4 0. You know what? I've got no idea. I mean, nothing will surprise me this year. Nothing will surprise me. I think Liverpool will win, though. Every time Liverpool kind of have a disappointment, they tend to bounce back with a, a decent performance next. So I think it will be a, a hungry, motivated Liverpool team. So I, I expect a Liverpool win, but no idea what the score is going to be, Gav, or I don't have a lot more money than I've got. <laughs> <laughs> You're not doing too bad, son. Um, so I thought just before we we go, I thought I've got you all here. And obviously Liverpool have moved from Melwood to Kirby. Um, I'm guessing that you've all spent time at Melwood at times. Obviously, Paul, ever were you at the Centre of Excellence when we were? Yeah, I, was there, I was there for a couple of years, yeah. yeah, yeah. Paul M, have you, did you spend much time down there? Well, obviously with me with my dad over the years, because when I was eight, nine, ten, my dad was with the A and B teams at Liverpool, so I'd be there with him every weekend, uh, going to watch the games there, and used to go and watch the training occasionally during the summer holidays, and lucky enough to train there myself for about three or four years when I was 14 to 17. And uh, I've got nothing but happy memories of the place. Used to have a good laugh there. Used to be really you, good. You, got, you boys got any stories that you can maybe that, that you no. bring to mind of anything? I used to go there when, when Gerard um first came in and was a, the joint manager thing with me. They asked me to go in and start. And I used to go in and look at the previous, the team we were playing the week after. I, they had this edit, this, this big old computer, and they asked me to edit all the, the, the set plays and all the corners of the opposing team. So uh, I think I was like, I was in there doing that, which used to be a bit mad. Sit there for hours and hours, just cutting these tapes and then putting all the corners in. These are all the corners, these are all the free kicks, these are all the set up. Let me put them all together on the tape. 
It's not Steve Evans, it's Steven Spielberg. Look yeah, at that, yeah, the fucking yeah. video editor there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember when we used to go, Jurassic Park. The, um, they had that shale pitch, which yeah. was fucking awful. If the all weather that was called. That was the all weather. Oh, it was terrible to play football. Yeah. It was here, there and everywhere. It wasn't... You ever fell over on that, you knew about it. Oh, no. I, yeah, oh didn't you just, yeah. Oh, blimey. You know do you know the? Do you know it's amazing though seeing the evolution, Steve Paul, from mm. you know the players getting changed at Anfield and then getting the bus down every day to training because there was no real facilities yeah. at the at Melwood, and then seeing it evolve, you know, to to what it became. I mean, I remember the first time I went back. Uh, obviously, I was there as a kid, then there as a YTS as well, um, and I remember going back like years later. To, to watch training when uh, Benitez was there. And I couldn't get my head around the fact that the clubhouse or the building had now gone from one side to the other. That's it was smart. bizarre. Yeah. It was bizarre. It was absolutely bizarre. Like go, going there and thinking, well, how have they moved it from there to there? Mm-hmm. And it was it was hard to get your bearings when you back, went back, when he changed it. Have you been back much, Paul, Steve, since they've moved the building? I've only been once back since since then. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's just it just completely changed. When I remember going yeah. to the first obviously you always go down. He's always like love going to watch training for me dad or my dad used to always go in on a Sunday sometimes or go go like on, on the day the players' days off and I used to love like, go like, go for a little run around the pitches or just play messing around with the ball and stuff. Uh, I couldn't believe the the, the difference. You know, yeah. talk about um, you know polar opposites. About it was so basic when I first used to go there. Just like. Just proper old school changing rooms, showers and stuff, and then all of a sudden it's like state of the art sports science centres, the whole lot really. Like it's um, you know just shows how football's evolved over the past over the past sort of 10, 15 years. It's it's absolutely insane. I mean, it's I just yeah. love going there. Like I see them, you know, the, the old characters used to be there, like John Benno and yeah, founders and seeing all them these days. We're just lovely people and spending time with them people there. Yeah. You know, that's all like the memories of my childhood and. Phil Thompson swearing his head off everywhere, stuff like that. They were all good men. I tell you a funny one, Steve. When your your dad was obviously the manager and, and Ronnie was was with him, I remember coming in. It was when it was uh, Neil Ruddock came. <laughs> Sammy Lee was the coach, and what we used to do is, you know, the canteen at the end when he brought in the the like the the little canteen at the end for, and it was next to the room. And they added it on actually to the original building. Well, I remember we, we were all waiting. Neil Ruddock comes in, like he's a few minutes late, right? So Sammy Lee's going going mad because we used to start our warm up at ten o'clock. So Ruddock's walking down. He's walking on the and you know there was the raised bit, the little the the walkway that was raised a little bit on the outside of the changes. So he was walking down. And Sammy Lee, Razor, you've got however many minutes, two or three minutes until we, we start training. You hurry up, you better be out here. So anyway, he comes out, he comes out, and Razor comes out and he rushes. He's got his ankles taped, no socks on, shorts and a t-shirt. And Sammy Lee goes, Razor, why are you late? Why are you late? He goes, I'm, I'm sorry, Sauce. He goes, he used to call Sammy Lee sausage. He goes, I'm sorry, Sauce, but my battery was flat. He goes, all the money you've got, why didn't you get a taxi? He went, not my car, Sauce, in my alarm clock. It was <laughs> <laughs> one of the funniest things. I remember it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And then it was just how, you know, everything just went, everything just went, everyone started laughing and then it was prompt. But it was, do you know, the best thing that, the best thing I remember about it 
is really the the laughs. You know, the amount of you know, even like when you go back to playing there as kids, you go back, you're saying speaking to it's the people, right? Steve the uh, Paul, it's the people there, the conversations you had. I mean, some of the you can imagine our, our youth team there with Cara, Lee Pryor, uh, Jamie Cassidy, you know, Stevie G was coming through. The banter was brilliant. You know, yeah. David Thompson. I mean, it was the memories. It was just, just brilliant, brilliant memories. We talk about Tom Saunders there. The one always makes me laugh and I remember it. They'd been training and Tom was supposed to, you know, he, he, as he was getting older, he had trouble walking, Tom. He used to limp around everywhere. Well, he'd come in and he'd left the ball about 100 yards away from the changing rooms. So they're all looking out the window of Melwood and my dad's Roy, whatever. Hey, Tom. You've left the ball over there. You better go and get it. So Tom's got to make his way back 100 yards over the field to get the ball. But they all knew it wasn't a ball. It was a seagull. But Tom thought it was a ball. So he walks 70, 80 yards to it. And as he gets oh, near it, the seagull takes off. And he turns around. <laughs> and all, everyone's on the balcony, as you say, watching. He's like, yeah, bastards. <laughs> he come all the way back. Thought it was a ball. It was a seagull. They knew, like, they sent him on a... You say wild goose chase mm-hmm. them, but it was a seagull. Like, but mm-hmm. always one that makes me laugh. That yeah, I always imagine, imagine your dad now when he, when he sees how I'm Molly Coddled. Some of these players are. He must. He oh. must imagine your dad come by there, Paul. Jesus, I mean, my mum used to fully love her. Like, my mum my used to take the kids home after the matches and watch the kids in the house. I know that's how bad she must have was. He couldn't send us to the laundrette because he'd come back with a number six and number seven missing because they yeah. sort of robbed the shirts. We used to do the socks. My dad used to bring socks. I used to split the kit. My dad would bring the socks so outside our house in Thornton, where we lived. There's the washing line, yeah. 24 socks on it, or 28 socks, whatever it was, red socks all on the line. But it, can, that, it's madness, isn't it? Because it was, if you think the iconic status of, of your dad, and I was there, they were picking up the gear. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're picking up the gear. Like we, and um, Paul, Steve, we, you know, after games, we'd sit in the, not the boot room, but the room next to the boot room. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was, it was it was the dads that were doing the gear, doing the do like washing the gear, picking the gear up. I mean, coaches don't do that now. No, you know, coaches don't do that now. Players now we aren't even allowed to clean boots. You know, there isn't really a boot room where the YTs go in and, and clean the boots anymore. The you boots know, don't get dirty now, though, do they? Though the way the yeah, pitches yeah. are, the boots don't get yeah. dirty. Like they used to. They're not leather, are they? They're just plastic or oh, whatever they're made of, and they just yeah. wipe them. Yeah, Paul, I remember uh, listening to a, a podcast with Graham Souness uh, when he was first at Liverpool and he wasn't playing, he had a suit on. And um, they come in after the game and there's like all the kits on the floor, jock straps everywhere and all that. And Graham Souness is there with his gear on. And your dad went to him, is something fucking wrong with you? And he went, no, I'm all right. He went, get picking the kits up now. <laughs> and it was that, he said, that, that made me realise that we we're all in this together. There's no hierarchy. It's you, we pick everyone's gear up and it's, yeah. it's a team. Do you know what I mean? And oh, there's, the there's loads of stories. You're, you must have loads of stories here. I'll follow. Oh, like stories. Um, I used to have to shout, put the socks the right way around. I always remember that yeah, one. Yeah. After the, after he said, cause I, I never went in the dressing room first team games. Cause you know, that was something that never happened. But reserve games, I'd sit in the dressing room while they're getting ready. And after the games and that, well, get your get your socks the right way around. Those remember that yeah. the other one used oh, to get bollocked yeah. that they unravel the sock and just threw it. Who's is that? Get that back on. Sort it out. Big timers, he called it. Big timers yeah. or big heads. That was the his, big heads. Big heads. Yeah. 
yeah. Oh, yeah. The Everyone was a big ad. Do you know what the funny? Do you know what the funny story about? Uh, you're just talking about Sunus. I think when he, uh, I think there's a story, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. But when he first signed, uh, I think he went up to your, your dad, Paul, and said, uh, "You know, what do you want me to do in in this situation?" Yeah. And he goes, he goes, "We've just spent however many hundred thousand on you, and you're asking me how to play football." Go out there and play. That was just. That, I thought that was brilliant. It's supposed to be the first game he played at West Brom. Yeah. He played West Brom away, and it was in the dressing room there. And he said no one had told him any tactics or what he wanted him to do. And I said, "What do you want us to do?" Fucking hell! Don't you know? Like, he said, just pay three hundred and fifty-two grand for you to go and sort it out yourself. <laughs> brilliant. brilliant, brilliant. Well, listen, boys. Thank you very much. It's been uh, it's been great listening to you. Um, and uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, give us a quick subscribe. But um, from the boys and me, thanks very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you again in the next one. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.